everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. Today, I am so excited to welcome on my special guest, Jen Asker. Jen is somebody that I look up to so much in the world of movement, and she has such brilliant, incredible informational content to share. So I'm really excited for her to, to come on the show today and, and talk to you guys um, a little bit more about what she does. Jen is a top 40 physical therapy influencer and has been named one of the top 50 most influential healthcare professionals. With a doctorate in physical therapy, she is ranked as one of the best fitness trainers on Instagram by Shape Magazine and has been featured in Self Magazine, Men's Fitness, Muscle and Fitness, as well as a select interview guest on CBS and on the Rise podcast with Mogul CEO Rachel Hollis. She is the founder and owner of Mobility Method, sits on the medical advisory board for Women's Health and Strong Fitness Magazine, and is an online sensation with more than half a million followers and viral videos with millions of views helping people shape and reshape how they use their body. As an expert in physical therapy, she speaks all over the country on the topic of health and longevity, attracting customers from stay-at-home moms to Hollywood actors and Olympic athletes. As a self-proclaimed mover, Jen has spent more than two-thirds of her life upside down, helping herself and those who are willing to learn to listen to their body, reverse aging, eliminate pain, and do the things they never thought possible. So thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you, and I love that you um, mentioned spending two-thirds of your life upside down, because that (laughs) is definitely something I can relate to. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll have to chat about how, you know, your your journey with mobility um, has impacted and changed your your hand balancing and upside down practice as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'd love to just dive right in with what began your journey with mobility and wanting to be a physical therapist and help people heal their bodies. You know, for me, it just really started in terms of like, just being fascinated with the body, I would say. (laughs) Um, I loved anatomy and biology and even high school. And so, and then after high school, or I think it was my senior year, I started teaching um, and coaching gymnastics. And so through that experience, it was like, okay, I'm taping an ankle and I'm doing other things, but like, why am I doing this? And it was this constant, you know, search of why and how I can help the body more that I decided to do kinesiology um, the study of human movement. <laughs> and through that, continue to obviously love anatomy and physiology and all these other things. Um, and I started teaching Pilates as well. And mm. it was that that I really got to see how much you can manipulate around movement and pain and all these things. But I was like, okay, I don't want to just modify around pain. I want to learn what, why they're having it and what I could be doing to help them along that journey, what I could be teaching someone. So it was really diving into the why and being fascinated by watching a physical therapist work and how they felt movement and how they observed movement and just watching them walk people along their own journeys. I was really just became fascinated in that and wanting to continue to learn and dive in. And that's what led me down to PT school. Wow, that's so cool. And I know that you've shared online before that you um, 
you deal with scoliosis, and I think you mentioned a few other um, conditions. How has learning more about the body helped you to adapt and work with, with those conditions within your own body? Yeah, you know, I would say it's just an understanding of of the body on a deeper level. I remember even being in PT school and at one point we had to take photos in like a sports bra and shorts because we were looking at alignment and plumb lines and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like my right shoulder is significantly lower than my left. I never noticed that. And then like my left side really curved in and someone was like, oh, you must do like teaching a lot more on that left side. And I was like, Okay, um, probably not. <laughs> I don't think that would make my side curve in. But it was just like an interesting thing. I'd never noticed it. And here I am competing in calisthenics, learning acro yoga, done gymnastics my entire life. So it was never anything that I thought, you know, like, oh, my body is out of alignment or messed up or whatever. I never had pain. Um, and so it was actually when I was teaching Pilates at a chiropractic office. It wasn't until a year I was teaching there that I was finally like, you know what, let me get an assessment and see what's going on. And so I got an x-ray done with them and I saw that I had scoliosis and a little bit of forward head posture too. And I was like, um, am I being punked? Like, this is not my x-ray. <laughs> I was like, no way, because I feel fine, and I know I'm fine, so what is happening here? <laughs> um, and it was just so interesting and eye-opening to see, like, alignment does not dictate pain. Mm -hmm. And so being able to see that in my own body and and that is like my message too. It's like, yes, I'm going to show you all these things of how you can improve mobility, improve strength, improve like this feeling of alignment within the body, but you don't need it to look symmetrical. So if you're going just to get like these 10 massages because they're going to realign your body and you're going to feel amazing, you probably will feel amazing. But how long will that last? Like alignment and what someone does on your body, it does not dictate what's actually happening on the inside. And I also like to remind people like our insides are all over the place. <laughs> you know, we got a big liver on the right. We got, we got all these different organs and different places and we're asymmetrical inside. Don't you think when we breathe and lungs expand differently and diaphragm expands differently, that it's going to push and pull on different parts of our body? Mm. It's going to cause an asymmetry on the outside as well. And that's just life. That's functional. We use more of our right hand more than our left or vice versa. We kick with, the, with one leg more than the other. Like we are asymmetrical and that's okay. And I think it's coming back to that idea of like, you're not looking for a pretty picture. You're looking to feel normal on the inside. And that can mean different things to different people. Okay, that's so interesting. So if you look at somebody who maybe has scoliosis or, or any kind of asymmetry that you can visibly see that they're out of alignment, but if they're not experiencing pain or any health issues from that, then that's kind of okay? Yeah, like, it okay. really is. And, and Definitely. I'm still going to say, okay, where can we work on some, like, is your, are your feet imbalanced or your hips imbalanced? Like, I'm still going to look at like, what is working harder than another? And where can we kind of start to draw, like, color those lines in a bit more? But 
in essence, I'm not trying to tell you that I'm looking for perfect symmetry. I'm going to look at what is asymmetrical and say, okay, great. Now I know what likes to dominate and what doesn't like to work as well. And maybe we can start to get those into balance a little bit better, but know that this is where your body likes to go and that's okay. Mm, that is really good to know. I like that because I, I think that you know, I've experienced this myself and then encountering this with other people as well. If you tend to have like a perfectionist mentality, um, then, you know, looking at your body and looking at asymmetries can be like, oh, I need to fix that. There's something wrong. But, you know, to your point, there might not be something wrong. It's just part of life. Like you just right. take more with that side or use that side more and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that you share to more of the less obvious ways to to address mobility and I'm sure for you they're very obvious but for people who come to you with um, back pain or shoulder pain like really looking at the full kinetic chain and Mm -hmm. all the different parts of the body that can impact how somebody's feeling and I think just today or yesterday I saw you posted something about um, foot mobility which is so cool because I I love working on foot flexibility and mobility, but um, just sharing with people like why that's important and why that impacts your pain and other parts of your body, I feel like is, is such a, an important part of the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been, let's, one of my favorite things is to remind people of how it's all connected and show people like if we just look at a very basic breakdown of the body and just a very broad overview, joint by joint approach, we can see that in general, you want more mobility in some places, more stability in some places. Now, overall, we want it in all over our body. So I'm not going to say this is like king, but it's just a very easy way to be able to start to look at the body. And if we look, we can say, okay, neck is, tends to be more stable, upper back more mobile, low back more stable, hips more mobile, knees more stable, ankles more mobile feet more stable, toes more mobile. Now, obviously, again, you want stability and mobility across them both. But then I say, okay, if we just look at that joint by joint model, where are people getting more pain? And typically it's neck, low back, knees, and feet. Mm. (laughs) Like that is the places. And then we say, okay, well, if those are the places that are getting pain, for example, like low back, it's like, oh, strengthen the low back, do core core stability, like all these other stuff. So we look at it as a stability part and we only focus on that as being stable. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, well, what's happening above and below that area? Maybe that's the area that's taking on too much pressure and we actually need to open up the upper back. Maybe we need to open up the hips and take pressure off of what's happening in that super stable area. Maybe that's actually getting more mobility than it should. And that's what's causing the disc issue. You know, so getting people out of this idea of where my pain is, is my problem, but actually where my pain is, is my symptom. Mm. And that's just talking to me, you know, and letting me know that something's going on, but I need to look around my body and actually observe what's happening on a full scale to be able to say, okay, well, maybe my toes aren't moving so well. Maybe my upper back isn't moving so well. And that's what's causing my pain. And especially for then we go all the way down the chain, like you were just talking about with the toes and we say, you know, well, my toes aren't moving very well. So now when I walk, I'm not even going to get my full 60 degrees of toe extension that I need. So I'm going to roll on the inside of my foot, causing more pronation. That's going to cause a rotation at my tibia, a rotation at my femur, possibly some 
some congestion and pinching up in my hip, maybe some less, you know, mobile hips and then some more tension in my low back or maybe that presents all the way up to my shoulder. So it's interesting to be like, well, crap, now I need to look at my big toe and see if that's affecting my shoulder. But when we actually start to become more aware of our bodies in general, that's, that's the key. That's when we really start to truly heal. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that is such an empowering practice to, to give people because I'm sure, you know, you would, you see this all the time, but I, I would bet that most people aren't aware of their bodies and aren't aware of how they feel unless they're feeling pain. Like they probably mm -hmm. don't think about the way their foot hits the ground when they walk mm -hmm. unless there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We always wait for that to come around. And that's when I always like, it's, it's super unfortunate. And, but I also understand it's a way that we've been educated in our system. You know, we don't, typically try to address something until we know that there's something wrong mm -hmm. and we're always trying to mask the symptoms and mask the pain that's what we've been taught take the, the one pill do the one exercise do the one whatever get the one shot get the one surgery that's going to fix you but no one's actually teaching you how to look for that underlying cause. Because even if we look at the body, like I, yes, I'm gonna address the physical body, but what are you putting in your body? Is that causing inflammation? Like a lot of my clients that have nerve-related pain, we have to take tension off of the system and that means inflammation as well because your nerves become very inflamed. That can be causing burning, tingling, all these other radiating symptoms that you may be feeling. So if I'm not addressing what you're putting into your body and no, I'm not giving out like full plans, I'm not saying I'm a dietitian, but if I'm not even addressing like the inflammatory state of your entire system, then I'm not doing you justice in your rehab program. I love that, that you take that holistic approach. And I think that anybody who works with somebody's body and their health should take a holistic approach, even if they have to refer out to somebody else. Yeah. Um, ultimately, like we should all be working together to support this person in feeling their best rather than just putting band-aids on problems. Uh, that would be key. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that would be beautiful to see. To, yeah. Work together more. <laughs> So you mentioned um, low back pain. What are some of the other most common areas of chronic pain that you see or treat regularly? Um, I would say the most common is going to be like neck, low back, knee, and foot, like plantar fasciitis. Obviously, mm -hmm. shoulder goes into play there as well, um, depending on what kind of activity people are doing. Okay. But, but yeah, a lot has to do with... Um, Low back is, is just a huge one. Feet is a big one because either we're on it too much or we're not <laughs> on them enough. Um, and overall, we're not addressing or taking care of our feet. The one thing that's supposed to carry us around. Yeah. So do you think that most of these um, injuries or areas of chronic pain come from, you know, sedentary lifestyle, people sitting at their desk all day, not moving enough, or more from like repetitive movement patterns? It could be from either. So, I mean, even if you're looking at an athlete in terms of a, a professional athlete, like, okay, you know there's going to be injury. <laughs> and that's just a part of the process because you're doing a sport that's 
continuing to put you in a, into a repetitive pattern over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you just have to know that, yes, you want to be great at your sport. Yes, you want to do all the things that help prevent it. But overall, you're probably going to get injury and that's okay. Um, just know that that's part of the process in that. Um, and then on the flip side, we go to someone who's completely sedentary, not moving. You might feel fine for a while, but it's going to creep up on you. And that's where, you know, that's just another side of the spectrum that we're losing out on. And, and I always go like, this is our one body that's carrying us through. It's our one body to allow us to interact with other people. Like, to go see people, to go experience life, to be able to pick up your grandkids, to be able to, to do life. You need your body. Like your mind is great, but if there's no connection going on, mm. you know, you're going to lose out. Yeah. And if you, if your body doesn't feel great, then you lose out on that quality of life too. You, it's mm -hmm. so hard to enjoy life when you're not physically feeling well. Exactly. It has a huge mental aspect on, on us and it really depletes energy and creates a lot of brain fog when you're not moving while into your body. Oh, that's okay. That's the perfect segue because I wanted to ask you, how does lack of mobility um, or just, you know, movement in your body in general impact other areas of your health, like your digestion, your immunity, your mental health? Oh my gosh, everything I would say. Um, and it's so interesting. What I see happen a lot is the person who's like, I want to get fit and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get a trainer and all these things. And those great. What ends up happening is you're going because you want to look a certain way <laughs> and you want to get these aesthetic results or whatever you think you need. And what ends up happening is that you're like, oh my gosh, if I go more than a few days now without doing this, I actually feel mentally depleted. I feel angrier, I feel moody, I feel negative, I feel all these things, like you will start to notice that pattern. And that's where just movement in general, and I don't care what it is, hopefully a little bit of a sweat, but even just getting outside and walking is going to be hugely impactful for your body. Um, you know, and, and in terms of like just movement and mobility in general, and like stretching and getting into your joints, like we go from being able, like it's a, it's a, literally a pattern that you have to go through when you are five months old to be able to put your foot in your mouth. And not that we need to be doing that now, but it's, <laughs> it's literally a, trick. <laughs> yeah, a developmental milestone that we go through. And at five months, you're not crawling yet and you're not walking. So think about just how we develop as a baby. We get this natural mobility within our bodies before we add on strength, before we add on patterning. And yet we're forgetting that within our bodies. And that's what's so important. It's like, come back to the basics. We go from sitting on the floor when we're learning in preschool to then sitting in desks and chairs and cars and couches, and we're not ever going down to the floor again. And there's literally studies that will show you, you know, in other countries where they have to get down and pray multiple times a day, they actually have a less um, degree of osteoarthritis within the hips. Mm. And that's because they're actually moving into their full joints and their full range more so throughout the day than we usually do here in America. Wow. So it's just this idea of like, get back into your body. You know, your body is, is so good for you. And then when we're able to slow down and get into that mobility work, that 
that slower kind of holding and not sweating and not moving as much, you usually are using more of your breath and slowing down your breath. Like think about it like, you know, I like to explain it. We go get a massage and it's that exhalation phase that you're in. You're like the, (laughs) you know, it just allows your body to, when we do that, we actually tap into that parasympathetic system and that system we want to turn on more often throughout the day because usually we're living in this high stress, high do, 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 a lot of things happening. And if we can tap more into that parasympathetic, that is what's going to help us with our digestion. That's going to help your gut motility that's going to help, you know, just release stress within the body, decrease levels of cortisol that go into the body, decrease levels of inflammation within the body, and actually ultimately help you get into better mobility and movement patterns. So I always recommend like find moments where you can find longer exhales throughout your day and maybe even breathing in and out through your nose more so throughout the day because the nose is really your respiratory system not your mouth. Your mouth is for eating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So those really deep, like diaphragmatic breaths in and out through the nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And longer. We always like to focus on the inhale naturally as a society. It's like, okay, relax. Everyone take a relaxing breath. And it's this huge inhale with the shoulders lifting up to the ears. And then this not really paying attention to the exhale. (laughs) What I like to focus on is actually a longer exhale because the inhalation phase, if we focus on that too much, not that you won't feel relaxed for a moment, but when we focus more on the inhalation, that is more of our sympathetic system. Like think about it, someone chasing you or someone scaring you and you... (gasps) And you take a deep breath in and your shoulders go up to your ears and your chest expands and you get really, really tight. Your body comes into you because it feels like it needs to guard you. It needs to protect you. Now imagine living in that state all the time. Your body will always feel like it's on guard, like it needs to protect you. It's going to go into this inflammatory state because something is is wrong. We need to protect itself. And your body's great at that. But if you're only teaching your body how to stay in that sympathetic zone, we actually need to reverse that and get it back into that parasympathetic zone more often. So is that just a matter of like slowing down the exhale and maybe matching the counts? Like if you're, you know, doing a three or four count inhale, making sure you're doing at least that long of an exhale rather than just sighing out the breath? Yeah. And I would actually, so on the inhale, I like people to focus on what's happening on the low rib cage. So not even necessarily the belly, the belly will naturally expand, but you don't want it to press out. You don't want to force the belly. So I like to get people to kind of grab their low rib cage. So kind of put your thumbs and your fingers around it and give it a little squeeze. Now, as you breathe in, I want you to feel that your hands are actually going to expand around you. So as you breathe in, you should feel that low rib cage expanding out to the sides, front and back too. So you kind of feel that 360 pattern and that's that diaphragm because your diaphragm rests underneath your rib cage. So if we're really talking about diaphragmatic breath, it's not just about the belly, but it's actually where that low rib cage is. So if we can get that low rib cage to expand in a 360 manner, then we get a good inhalation. And I like to say, it can you double the exhalation? So mm, okay. an inhalation 
Box breathing is fine too. That's where you do like a four count in, a four count hold, a four count out, a four count hold. You know, box breathing is really great. It kind of gets you more focused on your breath and outside of all the other things of life that you have to do. So sometimes people who say they can't meditate, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to shut off your mind. So what if you just started focusing on your breath? What if you started focusing on what your rib cage is doing? And in turn, you're going to be tuning into the body. If you're having to count, if you're having to do other things, you're focusing on what's happening inside rather than what's happening outside. So it's a really kind of a cool meditative trick that I like to take people back into. Um, and then, but yeah, if you can focus more on a longer exhalation, I mean, especially before you're going to go to bed or something, it just, it gets you out of the stress of the day. And I have people who have back pain who literally cry on the table because all of a sudden their back pain is gone. And all we did was work on breath work. Wow. Wow. Literally like no manual therapy or anything. Breath work alone has, has helped somebody's lower their pain levels? 100%. Manual therapy is great. And it's something that I still do. But at the same time, manual therapy, what I do on you isn't going to be able to change long-term change. So think about it like someone who, like you, you bang your elbow or something and you grab it, right? You grab it because it's that touch that actually responds to the brain to tell you it's okay. And it calms down that pain level. So now if I'm touching you, if I'm placing a force on you, if you're foam rolling, if you're getting a massage, whatever it may be, I'm telling the nervous system to calm down. But I'm not literally manipulating tissue. I could be helping fluid move better. So I could be helping for that moment to improve that mobility and relieve that tension for that moment. But then you walk out of my office and it's going to come back if I don't teach you what to do for your own body. So anything that someone else does on you, it's talking to your nervous system and it's a great tool to be able to calm the nervous system down. But ultimately, you have to do the work within your own body. Which I think is so important for people to know that, you know, anytime they're experiencing pain or even just to have, you know, a healthy body in general, like it doesn't always require going to get treatment. Like you can also take a lot of steps on your own to empower yourself to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And it's With going to a practitioner, whether that's an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, a physical therapist, anyone that's going to give you the tools and facilitate the journey. Mm -hmm. So if someone is only going, if you're only going to someone to say, oh, I can fix that right away or, oh yeah, we just need to do this. I need to just do this manipulation on you and you'll be good. You know, if that's the case, they're not getting to the cause. We're fixing the, the symptom and we're helping pain relief, which is great. Again, why I use these tools. But if I'm not getting down to the cause, if I'm not helping you to find it on your own and facilitate your journey, not do your journey for you because I can't do that, mm -hmm. then I'm not truly helping you. Yeah. And I think that is such an important distinction. Like the practitioner, you, you get to give them access to the tools and then they get to implement them on their own. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, that's the other part of the circle too, right? Where then um, practitioners say, well, they didn't do the work. So that's why they're, they're bad. Like whatever. <laughs> and, and it's all the blame on the client, which yes. Okay. They didn't do the work. But then I go back. Okay. Well then did you not make them feel why it would be important enough for them to mm -hmm. do it? Yep. Yeah. Because if you're not getting, yeah. 
education is huge. And I noticed that actually when I went to, um, in grad school, I was having a lot of problems with my contacts and all of a sudden, like my eyes would just be red <laughs> and people in school would be like, oh, your eyes are red. I'd be like, I promise I'm not smoking. <laughs> um, and I couldn't even feel it. Like it didn't hurt or anything like that, but like my contacts were really bugging me. And so I just started using clear eyes and I was using clear eyes cause it would clear my eyes. <laughs> And then I went to one um, eye doctor and he was like, oh, that won't work. Use this. And it was like this tiny little bottle, like tiny, that cost $50. And for a grad student, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he said, you know, just take a drop a day and you'll be good. And I'm like, okay. And so I started doing it and I didn't notice a difference. So I was like, why am I going to continue this? And so I stopped and I went back to my clear eyes. <laughs> then my eyes started to get a little worse. and. So I went to another eye doctor and he sat down with me and showed me pictures of what is happening underneath my eyelid, why it's getting red, how it's scratching, why eye, clear eyes doesn't work, what that actually does to the eyeball, what, you know, these little tiny drops do, how long it takes, da, da, da. But he went into the why, like, and I started crying in his office and not because I was upset, but because I'm like, oh, I finally understand. And it was like such an important lesson for me because now I'm like, okay, now going forward and to anyone that I'm helping, that's what I'm doing. I'm educating and I'm getting back into their own bodies so that they understand what's happening. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so important. I see that a lot with my nutrition clients, like helping to educate them and understand why certain food choices even though they might feel fine if they eat that food, but like what's really happening internally and the inflammation mm -hmm. it's causing and like the longer term damage that it can do so that from there, like they're in the driver's seat and they yep. can make an empowered choice. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we all drive based on why, mm -hmm. you know, we don't do anything just, I mean, you might for a temporary time, like, okay, I, I know how to do this now. So I'm going to do these things, but it probably won't last. Yeah. So that just made me think, here's a good one that I'm sure you encounter all the time. And um, it's something that I've been trying to advocate more for is the, the impact of um, being on our phones a lot. I, I talk about the mental impact, mental health impacts of it, but um, I know that physically there is a lot of, of negative effects that can come from being on your phone all day and having that forward head posture. So can you explain to people why the why behind why <laughs> they should be a little bit better about like their phone posture and their and their technology use um, and maybe some some exercises they can use to combat that? Yeah, I mean, doing anything for a sustained period of time, anything. So that can even be just like sitting on the ground for long periods of time and not moving, standing for long periods of time and not moving, sitting in a chair for long periods of time. Anything, like our body craves uh, variability. Variability and movement across the board is always going to be the most important. So yes, we've gotten better, right, with sit to standing desks, but if now you're just standing all day long, also going to be a little bit hard on your body. Um, so it's the same thing with then being on your phone. If you're going to be on your phone for extended periods of time, what are you doing to combat that movement? And again, trying to get back into that, that balanced state as much as possible. So it's not bad to look down at your phone. I mean, our head naturally goes into a forward head posture 
when we're intently looking at a screen, when we're intently reading something, when we're listening in a conversation and we want to like really be involved, like our head naturally goes forward. If we're eating, we, we pick up a spoon and we, our head naturally goes forward. So forward head is normal. Like I don't want people to think like I need to be sitting like a sh- soldier all day long. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I definitely don't promote that. Um, so understand that it's normal, but it's not okay to to stay. So that's where we just want to have the, you know, dichotomy between it where it's like, yes, you can move into it, but we don't want to stay for prolonged positions in that position. Just like we don't want to stay for prolonged, just retracted all day long. We want the balance within our body. So that's where I would go to, okay, if you're spending a lot of time looking down at your phone, can you move it in different positions? Can you sit on your, can you lay on your stomach and be on your phone where you're looking up at a different position? So how can you change your variability? Like even holding it in one hand, looking one way, maybe you look the other way. Like how can you change it up where you're using it in different ways because I get that I'm not going to be the one that's going to tear people away from their phones. They're going to have to find their own reason for doing that. (laughs) So how can I help while you are going to be on your phone? Um, Other things that you can do. So say if you're going to be in the forward head, maybe you're going to lay down and do some double chins. So that's literally keeping your head on the ground and just trying to make a double chin, keeping your mouth closed. Not the most attractive exercise, but, <laughs> but effective. Super, yeah, very effective for just getting back into that retraction phase and getting those um, anterior deep muscles to really work on the front. And so really you could do that. Like I even do it sometimes sitting in my car. You can place your head against the headrest and kind of do it. You could do it laying down before you get out of bed or when you're um, you could do it um, like anywhere. You could do it even just sitting and trying to see like, can I make a double chin and kind of think of a string pulling up from the top of my head. Um, and then the other thing I would say is like getting your your chest to open up and getting rotation through that upper spine is super important, especially if we're, we are forward with technology through our shoulders. It's not just working in the back, but it's actually rotating through the back and opening through the chest. So that could even be laying on a foam roller long ways and allowing your arms to be in like football post and relaxing. Um, I love a wall stretch that I that I show Um, for the pecs on the wall that feels so good because you can breathe and really open up there um, and you still get the rotation so I show that on my page a lot if anyone goes to it Um, and you can also like kind of almost roll up towels or pillows and if you don't have a foam roll and just lay on that even before you go to bed oh it feels amazing so getting into ways where you can open up your spine rotate through your spine through your upper back particularly open and relieve some of the pressure in the chest that's going to be really good for you. Okay. And when you talk about like being in any sort of position for prolonged periods of time, what is like that general time frame that people should start to cultivate awareness around like getting up and changing the position they're in, whether they're sitting, standing on their phone, whatever it is, like how often should we switch things up and try to move? You know, I would love to say it should be at least every hour. Um, If, you know, if not more, then I think it's it's just so important. Even Jim Quick, who talks about like brain health a lot, um, he says to take a break after every 25 minutes. Wow. Because okay. we start to forget like a lot of what we're even doing or a lot of our brain capacity and what we're trying to complete after 25 minutes. So if we can start to take just even little breaks, which is great for me because then that 
you know, pushes my, my concept of mobility. Okay. Every 25 minutes, do a stretch in your chair, stand up for a moment, like do something where you're moving. I mean, I get that that's a lot. And when you're in the zone, you can't necessarily get up, but just trying to be more mindful at least an hour. But I mean, Hey, if you could do 25 to 30 minutes, every break, (laughs) that would be great. Yeah. And I mean, it could even be a simple, like 10 second looking up Mm -hmm. from your screen, taking a breath and like, you know, stretching your arms, stretching your neck. You don't even have to get up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that makes it a little more accessible for people who are like, no way. Like I (laughs) have to be at my computer for this long. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, Okay, so going back to, you know, we talked about like the upside down and handstand conversation. And I know that we both share a love for acro yoga as well. Um, Can you talk a little bit about play and mobility and how those two are interconnected? Yeah, um, you know, I think that's how we should be moving into our bodies a lot of the time. Like, yes, you know, develop your mobility routine that's necessary for your own individual body based on restrictions. But the more that you can play, the better. Um, I love getting people on the floor. I love getting people moving. Um, I love even just going and, and playing with my nieces in, in that way, you know, and getting on the floor. So the more that you can get on the floor, you are going to naturally start to increase your mobility or the more that you're reaching overhead for something, you're going to naturally start to do it within your day. So even if it's like folding laundry on the floor while you're sitting and watching your show or just trying to think of different ways of how you can implement it naturally is a really easy way to just start getting mobility within your joints and in your body. I love that. Yeah. And I'm such an advocate for play and incorporating like the ways that we move our bodies should be fun and playful and should bring us back to, you know, like what it felt like to be a kid. And so I I love that you're an advocate for that as well. Yeah, totally. Um, So if people want to find more resources about, um, you know, mobility and the work that you do, I know that you share a ton of informational videos on your Instagram, but um, where else can people find you? And um, I know that you have a program out there as well. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, so I have two programs. So I have the mobility method, which takes you through a whole self-assessment within the body. Um, And then based on that self-assessment, you pick the exercises necessary for your body. You implement them into your day where you see fit. Um, So that one does take a little bit more work. (laughs) But if you want to get just an idea of it, you could go to docgenfit.com slash challenge. And there's a free challenge that you can take. It's seven days of like um, discovering different exercises within your body of where you need mobility. So I'll give you an assessment and then I'll give you tools that you can use for that assessment. Um, so that's an easy way for people to start to get into it if they want to try that out. Um, and then I also have um, the optimal body where you don't have to think as much now. You don't have to do the assessment. So this is really fun. We got a lot of amazing members within the optimal body and it really just takes people through functional HIIT workouts. So it's more about learning the body. There's going to be modifications and progressions for every level. Like I have people who freak out about jumping. You don't have to at all, you know, so you can modify it to what you need. My purpose in, in that and throughout all my programs is just education. I don't want to just show you the how. I don't want to just give you the tools. I want to know, I want you to know 
and understand why. And so a lot of the functional HIIT workouts go through like what you should be feeling in the body, why we would cue this way, what it would do in the body. Like, so rather than just learning the cues, actually understanding them. So that's a lot of what is in um, the optimal body. It actually has core stability workouts too. So what is the core? It's not just your six pack. You know, we go through the pelvic floor, the breath with the core, all of that. Um, and then mobility flows for every part of the body. And I am adding in mindset tools as well, because I think it's all incorporated and all, <laughs> all important. Yeah. It's all interconnected for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that is one of the things that I love the most about you and the work that you do is that you are so passionate about education and, um, you know, really helping people to understand why it's important that they do these things, not just that they do them. Yeah. So, yeah, for everyone listening, we're going to link all of that information in the show notes below. I, and I highly encourage you to, to not only follow Jen on social media, but to look into her programs as well, because she um, definitely knows her stuff and she'll help you to know your body even better as well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that I always love to ask people on the show um, you know, besides your, your area of expertise and the things we've been talking about, mobility and movement, what is, you know, one or two other wellness habits that you swear by and you can't live without? Um, move, I mean, I was so not movement. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, the people get it. They're like, all right, I'm supposed to move. I got that. What else? <laughs> um, I mean, breath work, we kind of talked about that as well, but breath work is definitely a part of my individual practice as well as my practice with my partner. So we do a lot of uh, breath work together as well, which is so connecting if you are in a relationship. So I highly recommend it. Um, Really powerful, really beautiful. Um, And breath work for me is my meditation. So I'm able to you know, think of something intentionally as I'm doing it, or it's my moment to tune into my breath, into my body and what's happening. So that is my meditation there. Um, And then the other thing is really surrounding yourself with amazing people. Like, and so whether that's, you know, going out and, and grabbing a healthy bite, because I am very conscious of what I put in my body. I was just talking to you about how I'm doing a water fast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, really, I mean, and I experiment with all the things too. I've done a fasting mimicking diet. I've done intermittent fasting. I've done a juice cleanse, which I hated. Um, I've now I'm doing a full three day fast. So it's really all ways to just kind of get into my body experiment and see how it responds. Um, It's so interesting, I think, always to kind of be assessing the body and we can tap into these different ways that actually, you know, we're able to kill off our dead cells and rejuvenate stem cells. And I think that's the most incredible thing. And I wouldn't say it's for everyone, for sure. Um, But it's a really cool thing to be learning and, and just assessing mindset with all of these different tools as well is really cool to to see. Um, but yeah, back to people, <laughs> people are connecting, people are, we need, I think we need like six human touches a day. I think it is, um, in order to feel like whole and complete inside. And I would 100% agree with that. And I probably do way more. <laughs> so it's another it's, reason we love acro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's so important. So, you know, get outside, find your tribe and be with your community. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you, you know, really brought it all together in that it is interconnected. Like the 
the nutrition piece, the community, the movement, it's, it, it is all, um, they're all influencing each other. And that's why taking a holistic approach to health is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just a woo-woo thing. It's, it's life. Yep. <laughs> exactly. yep. And your overall quality of life depends on it. Exactly. Yep. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story and all these really valuable tips with people. I know I got a lot out of it and there's so much more I could chat with you about because I feel like I geek out about this stuff. So we'll have yeah. to have you on the show again. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, um, again, really appreciate it. And I hope everyone tuning in today got something out of it. Again, make sure you go follow Jen if you're not already. Um, And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review um, the show. Share it with friends if you enjoyed this episode or know somebody who would benefit from hearing it. And until next time, as always, have a happy and healthy day. 